The life of a Baguazhang master is as is a varied experience depending on where the master is living. And while we all try to follow the same success path, the experiential truth is that for each person success is different. The first three differences are based on where the Baguazhang master is living. These differences are history, cultural influences and the natural environment. To give some examples, if I am looking for direct commercial or financial success by being a martial arts master, my best bet would be to work in America. And if I want to find success by more traditional means, by focusing on heritage and tradition, Asia is the place to be. But what happens when a person is unable to live in these two places, say Europe, Africa, Australasia and South America? By living in Sydney, Australia, this is the question I'm confronted with every day. In one sense, by not carrying the baggage of America and Asia, I am free to create my own path and be a Baguazhang pioneer by answering physically every day the question, what does it actually mean to be a successful Baguazhang master in Australia? So far, for me, it involves podcasting and expressing as best as I can what Baguazhang and Qigong masters go through in such a way that those who might be considering this martial arts path can get a better handle of it. I have tried a number of times to quit doing what I do, but after each time I get called back and asked to keep going. What I find most perplexing is that the request to keep going usually comes from the very same people who spend all their time rejecting what I talk and write about. I'm not sure what it is exactly that they reject, nor do I know what keeps them hooked. But what is definitely clear to me is that when I meet other martial art masters, they quietly thank me for having the guts to express those things that usually are kept private. It lets them know that they are not alone in their experience. And you'd now be wondering, what could be so outlandish that they feel that they must keep quiet about it? The answer to that is based on a person's perspective. Most people think that they are an okay car, while the master's experience is like somebody claiming their car can be used for boating. Normally this isn't true. But then some armies have got vehicles that can do just that. To many martial art masters, the perspective is kind of flipped. So instead, the master sees their abilities and journey like an ordinary car. While it is most people who have bodies and abilities that would fail the legal minimums required to just be allowed on the road. That car rusting away in the backyard may not even believe there is such a thing as a motorway having never seen it for themselves. Hence the Baguazhang master is a sweet ride on the freeway, and you'd never know it. Now this is the part where I have a bit of fun and digress, well, not really, from the main script. To understand the difference in the degree of difference between a person who doesn't do Qigong and a person who does, it is to look on what is required to be a Qigong master and be, and when I say be a Qigong master, I mean be good at it. Be so good at it that one can actually profit from the learning of Qigong. The first 
thing that must be done to improve or to be good at Qigong is to correct one's breathing. Now everybody breathes, everyone in the world does it. But in order to be good at Qigong, the how you breathe is important. And what that means is, it can, what it really means is that that's the first difference. And for somebody who smokes, you can't do Qigong. There is no such thing as a Qigong master who smokes. You can't have good breathing technique and end up putting smoke in your lungs. Now, this is not a criticism on cigarettes and cigars. This is just the fact that when you smoke, you're putting smoke in your lungs. You're polluting up your lungs. And if you're doing that new thing called vaping, vaping, then you're just doing, you're just adding steam to your lungs. Your lung is not designed for steam or smoke. In fact, it tries to repel it. That's why you cough when there's smoke in the air. So that's the first difference, correct breathing. Then there is the second difference that separates an ordinary person from a Qigong master, and that is your diet, your nourishment, and what you eat. What you eat and drink makes a huge difference because when you eat and drink, the chemicals that go into your body affects your moods and your mindset, and more importantly, how you think. And when you do Qigong, you'll find that your body will actually start telling you what is good for you and what is bad for you. Now, you'd be assuming that I'm going to tell you to go halal, go kosher, go vegan, go this, go that, go everything else. And the answer is, I'm not going to tell you that. All I'm going to tell you is for you to listen to your body. And the way you listen to your body is to actually listen to it. If a food makes you sick, don't eat it or drink it. If it clouds your judgment, don't drink it or eat it again. If it puts you in a situation where you would be in danger, don't eat or drink it either. Don't consume anything that will affect how you think, how you interpret things. The third degree or the third difference between a Qigong master and an ordinary person is what I call correct action or exercise. At the very simplest is, yeah, do more exercise, get fit, be mobile. That's the whole point of all the movements in Qigong. They're designed to allow a person who is mostly immobile to start moving again. Simple movements that aren't too hard. From there, it moves on to a more specialist area of Qigong actually movements. It's specialist in the same way when you go to a gym and you exercise. You have certain exercise regimes designed to do certain things uh, depending on your goals. So if you're a weightlifter, you do more weightlifting. If you're a runner, you do more running and so forth. Every goal or every skill has its own exercise regime and Qigong is no different. So firstly you have breathing, then you have what you put in your mouth, your nourishment, and then you have exercise. These three are very simple to understand. And then you have the fourth one, which is what you learn. A person who wants to learn about Qigong will actually go and learn about it. However, 
limited or expansive the range of learning is available out there. Sometimes we don't even know we're on this Qigong path and it has to be one that uh, we only know through experience. Like for myself, I didn't know I was going to end up being a Qigong master. I, was, I didn't plan it. My martial arts background is Judo, Karate, a little bit of Wing Chun and some others because friends do it as well. But when I came to Australia, I s decided to focus on Bagua Zhang. My understanding of Bagua Zhang is profound and it was very quick because I had a background in Bagua and the I Ching. This allowed me to understand and, and interpret or absorb the information really quickly. And I understood what change was about. I don't always practice it very well. And I have a Chinese wife who reminds me on the nuances of change. But I allow my background to help me out. And I have been blessed. Like I said, I have a Chinese wife. She gives me the nuances on the Chinese culture and stuff. And then because I have a German background um, from my father's side, my biological father was German and my um, adoptive dad is Austrian. The German mind tends to find a very mechanical way to understand everything. It goes, okay, so you say this and that. How does that actually work? And is it possible to be consistent and concise and precise with it? And in the German language, yin and yang comes out automatically. It's encoded, which is strange because Chinese has yin and yang as a philosophy, but they don't actually have this concept in their language as a working thing. So when they say the sun is masculine, the moon is is feminine, it, it's a very cultural thing. Yet in German, in the language itself, we know automatically that the moon is mas uh, feminine, or is it masculine, I can't remember, and the sun is the opposite, with the masculine, feminine, and neuter. And, and, and so this is kind of like culturally hardwired in us. And then from my mother's side, because she's from South Africa, I was actually born in Namibia, I get that alternative way of doing things that allows me to play, say, the game of Monopoly very differently. While it drives my father crazy, he always ends up saying to certain habits, like, you can't do this, you can't do that. And my mom will go, well, it's not actually in the rules. So the rules don't say you can't do it. So I'm going to do it. And then we check the rules and the rules just say what you can and can't do. And yet there's a whole gray area that's left blank. So you have that. And with Qigong, it's no different. You have the first three and you have the formal learning where you learn from a master. But there's a whole lot of it which is to do with experience. And also to do with finding your element that rings to you and to understand how what I'm trying to say is is try to to be a better Qigong master it helps to find your way and your understanding of it and so when I make a claim that if someone comes to my class they can learn how to do Qigong within a couple of lessons I'm not bragging that's what I do 
and I have a group of consistent, a consistent group of about four to five students who come every week, twice a week, and they learn from me. And they are learning directly in the traditional master and disciple kind of way. But then I'm also, through my experiences, telling the rest of the world what's happened to me. Now, if you are also on the path, what you'll find is when I talk about my experiences, and sometimes there are other, they, are, they belong to other people as well, as in their experiences as well, or they tell me stories and then I, I relate to them. What I'm actually doing is giving you the information and then your brain goes, aha, this has happened to me and that's happened to me and then it finds the connection in between. And quite literally, the finding connection are like the neurons in the brain connecting up. So a topic like neuroscience is a very huge topic, especially amongst people who want to learn Qigong but from a more scientific perspective. So, without rambling any further, um, I hope this has helped um, you guys a bit out more. And if you guys would like to write in or or just leave a message uh, telling me what you'd like to know more about, that would be great. That would help me out a lot, and and so I could get more focused in knowing what to talk about. Um, yeah, because. I've I found like with my students, we're getting to this area where we are experiencing certain sensations as a group, and we're and we're tapping into new areas and fields, and and to express those things out in public, I'd really like to get your feedback, um, whether it's okay to let you guys know. So um, yeah, please f feel free to. To answer back to this podcast, and I look forward from I look forward to hearing from you. Take care.